Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Please sit down. Pirate radio stations. Good, 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 good. Now, I have told the Prime Minister that we will shut them down within 12 months. As you will see, sir, they're not, in fact, outside of the law at the moment, sir. And then they soon will be, won't they, Mr... Uh, Fred, Fredericks. You see, that's the whole point of being the government. If you don't like something, you simply make up a new law that makes it illegal. Uh, speaking of which, Mr... Fredericks. Fredericks. Yes, sir. I think we might also start working on legislation to outlaw that haircut of yours. You don't like it, sir? No one likes it, apart from blind people. And I'm sure even they can sense its profound ugliness as it passes by. <laughs> to the main event open up with that clip from pirate radio british movie about the beginnings of rock and roll rock and roll radio then a little british music from elton john and believe me you're gonna love this show because i got i have a i have a guest from across the pond but before i get into that let me quickly introduce myself for those of you that don't know my name is ed hoffman with summit funding if you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate you need financing the first step is to call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, dear night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get some information but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet, stick your toe in the water, go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo, and you'll go to my lending page, fill it in as much information as you want me to have, tell me how much information we want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Brian Goodman, or Lance Keisha, will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. If uh, you want, if there's anything on the show you want repeated or you want to share it, you can go to edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page, and you'll see uh, this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, where uh, you can subscribe for free, have it automatically download once a week to your uh your uh, computer, your phone, your iPhone, your iPad, your iWatch, your mini pad, your maxi pad, or anything else you can listen to podcasts on. Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I current where I tweet about current events all week long. And you can also uh, get the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman and uh, follow the show on, uh, on Facebook as well. Okay, we've got a special treat for you this week. Everyone's favorite guest from across the pond, Katie Hopkins, will join us for the full hour this week. Katie's been making a big splash in American conservatism for the past couple of years, but uh, she's been well-known in the UK for more than a decade. 
She'll tell us her story, why liberals are terrified of her, and what earned her uh, distinction of being the latest conservative to be permanently banned from Twitter. Katie Hopkins, welcome back to the main event. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed for having me. I appreciate uh, you boys being here. It's very exciting to be in person in the studio, right? Because we've been apart for a very long time. Yeah, Scott and I haven't been in the studio since, uh, I don't know, two years ago. Well, it seems like a long time, Ed. It's like the last time I was here, this was pre-COVID. I mean, it's a whole other world now. I know. I didn't, you know? I didn't. I had to. I had to look up the address to figure out how to get here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of our ways, though. I really do, of how we start uh, leading the way and shining the light for others. Because unless we kick ourselves out of being at home and doing things from home and doing things on Zoom and doing things online, we're never going to get back to remembering how important this is. Because in studio, we can see each other. We can chat to each other. You can have hand gestures and. And all of the communication that goes on away from just your mouth and talking. And I think it's a, I think we all miss it. Mean, don't realize mean we miss eye it. gestures and scowls yes. and stuff. Yes. Yeah, I think. Uh, Gesticulations. Exactly. I think uh, tonality and uh, and, uh, and uh, tone, tone of voice and modulation, all that stuff makes a, is a big part of communication that people don't, yeah. don't give enough credit to. Scott and I were at an event Saturday night. You spoke to one of our local conservative clubs. We got to hear your fascinating background. And uh, I will tell you, I've, I've heard you speak several times, plus we had you on the radio uh, before. And uh, you were awesome Saturday night. And a side of your story that I had not heard, you got famous on the UK Apprentice, uh, wrote for the Daily, uh, you wrote for the Daily Mail, had a lot of success, then found yourself gradually being censored. And eventually your safety was threatened by actual jihadis. Uh, I think the listeners need to hear your story. I'm going to try and give the short version, yeah. I think. The, By the way, she's also an author of a book called Rude, which is great family <laughs> reading for the kids at bedtime. It's, it's awesome. really not. It's called family. Rude. Yeah, Check it out. Yeah, it's sold out, actually. Um, and it's selling now for like $250 online, so it's not worth that. So it's on an audio You can book? sell yours. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did an audio book Oh, good. Well. So uh, my wife and I will listen to it because yeah, we're leaving on a long vacation tomorrow. Oh, where are you going? We're going to go see the president's heads on Mount Rushmore before Black Lives Matter Beautiful. tears them down. Beautiful. We're going to go through there in Yellowstone and go visit some friends in Montana. And then we're going to go kidnap our, our granddaughter on the way home and keep her for a week. That's so nice. Well, Governor Christy Noem. How do you say it? Noem. South, who's the South Dakota governor? Uh, I don't know how to say it. I, think I call her Noem. Noem. It looks like Noem to her. me. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. I love her. She's like Trump. I know. Hey. If I wasn't straight... I would definitely try and marry her. Just, <laughs> I'd just try and marry her anyway. I love her uh-huh. deeply and passionately. She's okay. so brilliant. And I saw the lefties this morning try to push this idea that after the 400,000 people that gathered in South Dakota just to be happy to be together, one person, they've managed to tentatively link one sad little crumbly death to that rally and are trying to make that a story, like as mm. if that's the story of South Dakota and that brilliant governor. Shall I go back to my story? Yes, yes please, please oh, do. So this short story is, uh, it came out of the military, always supposed to be fighting for my country, uh, signed up for 35 years. I'm also an epileptic, so had to be medically discharged. And one way or another, ended up uh, working in corporate uh, street in on Madison Avenue, living in the East Village, uh, working in America for five years. And I watched the American version of The Apprentice. So I watched that and I thought, well, who is that terrific large gentleman with the 
large swathe of orange hair that makes splendid decisions really rather quickly and gives out a brilliant job and has smart candidates that know what they're about and I wouldn't mind getting in amongst that. Um, so when I went back to the UK, because I decided to have a couple of children in the UK. In and amongst that. What is that? Is that is that a... Is that like I'd like to hook up with that guy? Or? <laughs> you just totally wrote your own subtitles to that. I never said any of those things. But yes, okay, I would ahead. marry him. And it's, you know, the fact that he's married Melania and not me is probably one of my biggest gripes that I have with the Donald. Anyway, I went back to the UK, saw The British Apprentice and thought, aha, I'll apply for that. But of course, The British Apprentice is not The American Apprentice and not in any regard. It's actually a shoddy... Uh, version of it and run by a very short guy called Lord Sugar. He was Sir Sugar, now Lord Alan Sugar. And so I went into that and I thought I would come out, you know, somewhere near the middle, looking like the kind of, you know, oh, she's a nice kid. Oh, she's a, she's good. She's useful. And oh, she's quite nice. Come out near the middle, go back to work, everything happy. But in fact, I got to the end of the process, found myself being offered my place in the final and realised that I was not going to be spending my next six months filming and working for a short individual and I would not work for a short man and so I fired the boss so I became the only apprentice candidate to fire the boss and that's then how I became known then I became known as someone with fierce opinions that would say them so I was on a lot of morning tv shows with you know harassing people for Mothers are always under pressure to do this or do that. I was railing against that. Uh, people that are overweight but don't take accountability for it, I was railing against that. I became this kind of biggest bitch in Britain. That was the name, and it stuck. And from there, I became better known, uh, became a columnist on Daily Mail, became a talk show host of my own talk show that became the most listened to talk show, Tucker, Hannity. I guess at one point, I was probably one of the best-known commentators in the UK. And then I stopped talking about things that you could rail it against that might be funny or flippant or you could sort of, oh, just sort of daytime saccharine sweet stuff. And I started realising there was some stuff out there that really mattered. You know, I, I started getting emails from ladies and gentlemen saying, I'm glad my time is nearly up so I don't have to watch my country fall. I started seeing the migrants arriving and not stopping the boats, bringing them across the med. Then I went to spend time on those boats with the migrants, slept in migrant camps, I've slept on Skid Row, I've been to the no-go zones in Sweden. I've spent time at the harder end of things. And the more I started to speak the truths of what was actually going on, the coordinated bringing down of a nation by religious and establishment heads, I suddenly not only did I become one of the best known commentators in the UK, I, I became someone who needed to be got rid of and um and I still maintain today that they will keep coming for me until I swing from a tree um I have no pity on that there's no I'm not asking for sympathy I put myself out there I continue to do that I'm proud of that and I'm accountable for everything that comes my way but yeah they, they came for me in every way um and people talk about being censored or cancel culture which is all very polite but uh they came every job I had uh, then they came for my family home uh, they created a new law just for me that meant that things I'd said on Twitter were now I had to pay people who felt that they were harmed by things I'd said I had to sell my house and lose everything so that they couldn't keep coming for me and then they came for my kids uh, they report me to social services as an unfit mother 
social services have to come to my home and check on my children and their bedrooms to check that they aren't being abused in the way people have said that they are. Uh, they came for my kids. They, then they came for my head. A couple of jihadis came. There was a plot to behead me as a wedding gift. <laughs> Most people go to Bed Bath & Beyond, I think, huh. for their wedding gift list, right? Yeah, that's a nice wedding gift. Yeah, right. So they wanted my head. And then the British government commissioned a play called The Assassination <laughs> of Katie Hopkins. And we can uh, find that if you Google The Assassination of Katie Hopkins, the billboards come up. So... And the, and the mob don't stop there. They, they keep on coming. They'll come for how you look, how you feel. They'll come for, they came from a bank account. Last time President Trump tweeted me, they took my PayPal. Uh, they've come after my husband and anything he does. So the point rather being is that they will keep coming for you until you swing. And frankly, I've seen many others who've tried, maybe even just in a celebrity way to speak up or have an opinion, end up hanging themselves uh, so they're powerful and effective. But um, here we are. And I, and I live to fight another day. And I think one of the greatest things that we can do in the face of that is is to keep going, just simply by prevailing. Sometimes to prevail is enough. Okay. Well, I just got to jump in because one of the things that Ed and I admire about you, I certainly admire about you a lot, is the fact you've been hammered on by the left. And the left loves using fear. And you see so many people out in Hollywood, they're afraid of losing their jobs and, you know, afraid of being you know, censored and all these sorts of things. You've gone through about as bad as it gets, and yet you are still strong and still standing. Um, what is the secret for you to cope with this kind of onslaught? How do you, how do you stay strong? Oh, so many things. And, and actually, it's sort of like I'm massively positive and optimistic. Yes, and you I, are. I'm overexcitable, like a small puppy dog in the studio at all times. At first, it's people like you guys. And I'm not saying that just to sort of blow smoke up your buttocks. <laughs> that ain't nearly said yes. Um, but I uh, I mean, because you guys are hit. Look, you've got me on the show. We have a platform. We're having a conversation. And we can reach your listeners and, and help remind them they're not on their own. Like, that's an amazing privilege that I no longer have in the UK. I mean, it's emotional because I miss radio because radio is the ultimate gift uh, of communication with a listener uh, you know second up all of the people that are supporters and they cannot put their head above the parapet they cannot because they will lose their mortgage they'll have the police knocking at their door their wife perhaps or partner you know they're gonna the partner's gonna be disappointed if they lose everything over supporting someone or a point of view it, it's too risky to support anyone outwardly these days and I keep coming because actually there's massive freedom you know this is a time of defending freedoms I don't recommend losing everything to get freedom but one of the joyous things is when they take it all so I no longer have a house or a bank account or anything um, and they know you know I'm fairly tricky to, to take down when they've taken it all, it is a very freeing thing. I am ultimately a very free person. And then, of course, at home, there's my children who are supportive, strangely enough. And there's also lovely Mark, my husband. Lovely Mark. And he's really the one. Lovely Mark is the real hero of the piece. You know what You know what I like is, uh, as you spoke the other night, and I, and I hear it every time I hear you speak, is you're warning us about what's happening in the UK and don't let it happen here. So it's and people are blind to it yeah. in my eyes. In my eyes, they're they're blind to what's happening. And the fact that we let, uh, you know, the flu shut our whole country down, it's 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 just 
jaw dropping to me. And if we can have more people hear hear your story and what you saw going on and what you see happening here, I think doesn't matter what Scott says, doesn't matter what I say, people won't hear it in our voice the same way they hear it in your voice. Yes, I think that's um I think it's right because it, it is so unbelievable. And Americans sometimes I don't to generalize Americans, but uh in America it's easy to think, well that could never happen here. That that's America. We have our constitution, we have our first and second amendment. But you know, my the adrenaline that I have and it does course through me, it's an adrenaline is a sense of urgency to make sure that I not only bring this sense of positivity that I really have and my love for this country and my love for my own, but this adrenaline that I need people to understand that by the time you realise it's happened, it's too late because the scaffolding of the thing is already taken over. And in my country, that's where they started is the scaffolding of a country so that by the time you realise your country will fall to Islam, as mine will, by 2030, uh, Muslim is the, major- the majority in my country. Muslim births outnumber births to all other. And by 2040, I am officially a minority in my own country. I already am in London, my capital city, Luton, Bradford, Birmingham, Leicester, Newcastle, Newport, the list goes on. But before you realise that from demographics or the school intake, before that, the, the scaffolding of the thing, the political, the economic systems, the mayoral positions, the police force. We have a Muslim police force. We have a Muslim housing agency. We have Sharia courts in operation. When a young Muslim girl is found burnt to death, set ablaze outside her family home, it's hushed away and we're told there was no suspicious circumstances by the police in that area. It is okay for honour killings to happen in the UK amongst Muslim families. The rape and abuse of young white girls happens on a daily basis. It's systemic, network and coordinated because young (coughs) Pakistani boys are taught in mosques that uncovered white girls are unclean, that they're dirty, and there's a word that's used, S, they're dirty individuals and that's why men can use them as they wish. That's the takeover of my country. And it happened without anybody really seeing it. And the moment I started to speak of it, that's when I have the police at my door or have been arrested or interviewed under caution by the Major Crime and Homicide Command. Um, The threats against you from the police who are supposed to defend you are no longer there. And I think think in America... They use they use this cloak of racism. Why we can't say anything about that? Because I've brought it up and I've brought it up many times. And of course, I'm a racist. So, uh, so because I see what's happening, and I see you know I see that hey, the average the average uh, family in in America is one and three quarter kids, and the average Muslim family is eight kids. And it's just a mathematic. It's a math problem in twenty in twenty years. It's over. That they'll you know the fact that that Obama thought it was okay to bring in all these Somali people into Minnesota, it's Minnesota's gone. And hence we have Elon Omar and Ilhan, however you say her name. Um, and it's, it's, it's sad. Her and, uh, Rashida Taliban, Rashida Taliban. (laughs) And then there's another, there's another guy in, uh, uh, I forget his name, but he was, he just, he just abandoned the Republican party and became independent Mm. or a Democrat. Because he hates Trump that bad. 
I but, think that's it, though. And Minnesota, Minneapolis, I've spent a lot of time there. That's the heart of the takeover here in America. And that's when you get... Um, who handed over to Ilhan Omar? Keith. Ugh. So what you end up getting is a Muslim handing over to a Muslim. So political power in Minnesota, Minneapolis, will never leave the Muslim majority again. Because when you have a densely packed Muslim population serviced by multiple mosques that spring up, they no longer uh, vote according to political alliances. They vote according to their faith. And so when you have Muslims in power, that power will only pass to a Muslim. It's why we have a Muslim mayor, because we have a Muslim majority in London. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice on your southern border uh, with Mexico, mosques springing up to service the Latino community. The first mosques for Spanish individuals sprung up because they see where's the population growth going to be? Where's the takeover going to come from? And so they want Spanish individuals to become Muslims as well. And people and people don't see it. People don't see it coming because they're they're blind. It couldn't happen in the United States. Well, it happens slowly too. You yes, know, it doesn't happen all at once. Right, but, one but, step at a time. But the but the but those people know what they're doing. Hey, let's set ourselves up uh, uh, in strategic, strategic places and let's just populate, populate, populate. And uh, hey, you know, if you have too many kids, you can't afford it. The American government will support you. And the trouble is, and I think it's really well illuminated by many of your listeners will have seen the images of the Black Lives Matter mob attacking diners in D.C. There was a lady and her friend eating outside a restaurant and the Black Lives Matter mob came, mostly white kids, obviously, and they were demanding that those diners raise their fist in a supportive salute to Black yep. Lives Matter. And they were cursing at them. They were, I mean, it was vile. And what was so interesting wasn't that the lady stood her ground in the sense that she didn't put her fist up. It was that just next to her, the guy, it was a white guy with a moustache eating his meal. He raised his fist limply into the air. And, you know, he didn't do that because he was supporting Black Lives Matter. He did that as a matter of self-defense. I don't want my dinner spoiled. I don't want them picking on me. Let's leave them pick on that lady and I'll put my fist up and they'll leave me alone. And to me, that is the perfect analogy of what's happening with the leaders of our churches, the leaders of the Jewish faith as well. Uh, anybody who allies themselves with Rashida Taliban or Ilhan Omar, this alliance with the very thing that hates you is not a healthy way for us to defend ourselves. The time for self-defense is over. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's all, if you don't, then you're a racist. Let's be real. Let's be real. Let's see what's happening. Do you believe in anything? If you don't believe, if you, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And that's exactly what's going on. Uh, correct me if I'm, in, if I'm wrong, but when you spoke, you mentioned a Jewish rabbi was successful in getting you kicked off the air. Was mm. that correct? Yeah, this was actually my mail online column. Cool. Which, by the way, does it does uh, warm my heart to see the Muslims and the Jews coming together for a common it's cause. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful. So, yeah, so mail online. So as a columnist, I used to write twice a week and I was the global columnist at mail online. And I'm, I'm saying this because it has significance because your ability to have influence is there. Because I was that columnist, I was able to be on Tucker Carlson. I was mm -hmm. able to be on Hannity. I was able to be treated, uh, tweeted by Trump. You know, those links that you become, you have profile. So I'm not saying, oh, I was so good at this. But you, ha you become an influential individual. And your stuff is read. Mine was the most read column. 
And so you are the target for that reason, because you are that level of influence. So I went to the Mediterranean. I went on the migrant boats from Libya across to Italy. I started speaking openly about those migrant boats and the fact that Jewish organisations and the Catholic Church were funding the transport of people, Muslims, from Africa into Europe, and they end up going through Europe to the UK. And when I started speaking about that, that's where my editor, he called me, he goes, you're not going to believe this. I've got an email from the chief rabbi. So the office of the chief, and he had, that day was a bad day for me. So he had Labour Party, he had charities, head of Save the Children, uh, said that I was messing with things that I didn't know I was messing with. I have these emails. Uh, the chief rabbi, the chief rabbi wanted to meet with the editor, uh, the board of deputies, that's the Jewish organisational heads, and then the Muslim council, obviously. They all at once came on that editor and the next hour was gone. Hard to believe, hard to believe, but that that happens in England and it's and it's more unbelievable for most people to believe it could actually possibly happen here. But we're going to talk about this more, but we're out of time for part one of the main event. So uh, you stick with us. Yes. We'll be back after uh, five minutes of traffic, weather and commercials, and we'll have another half hour with Katie Hopkins. And welcome back to part two of the main event. I don't talk a lot about uh, real estate and finance. Maybe I should because the rates are so good. The opportunity is so good. Believe me, with the interest rates like this, if you're thinking about a house that you would like to own, move on it now. And if you're thinking about refinancing a house that you already do own, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night. Area code 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net. Click on the Summit Funding logo and do the cyber thing. Tell me what you what you want. Give me as much money as you want to give me and uh, and uh, we will respond. And we're back with uh, Katie Hopkins. We've been talking about things, things in her life and things in her country. Um, Scott, you had something you wanted to ask. Well, yeah, because one of the things you talked about is how you're no longer welcome on Fox. And we all like Fox News. Your comment was that if you go off script, that you may not be welcome back. And, of course, that's one of the things I always enjoyed is watching you as a commentator on Fox. So what is it that you said that was off script? Why are you, quote, banned from Fox? Yeah, so I didn't say anything off script to get banned. I was just banned outright because I was seen (sighs) as being too far to the right. So that when the sons had more influence and control there, the sons were particularly leftists, I think, some of them anyway, or a couple of them. And uh, they they were the ones that made it such that certain individuals were no longer allowed on that show. And my name was on there. Uh, but I heard then directly, do you remember a time when Judge Janine uh-huh. was pulled from yes. the air? Yes. Because it was a similar vein. She went down an Ilhan Omar route. Right. And I'm known for speaking outwardly about the Islam of Islamization, Islamification, whatever, of my country. Anyway, the Judge Janine thing, I'm pretty, you know, on good terms with Judge Janine. They made it such that uh, not only was she going to be fired if uh, people hadn't rallied and Trump hadn't rallied for her that weekend, she was gone. She now has to record, you know, her opener, the big opener. Yeah, she has to record. You can tell she records it ahead of time. Yeah, you can tell because you're a professional. She has to record that two days in advance. So from a woman's point of view, your hair, your makeup, your outfit, there's there's an hour, two hours of effort there for Judge Janine because she's immaculate, right? She has to record it two days in advance. It gets sent up the chain to some young 20 
whatever year olds to see if they approve it or not. And then it gets added on in, as you can tell, to the front end of the show. And of course, the very point of the dynamic of the opener is it hits, it takes the kneecaps out of the main thing of the day. She can't do that anymore. They are, they are creating a fail, a systematic fail into her show. And they also showing they don't trust her. Other guests on Fox, uh, if I'm doctor, whatever, and some very beautiful guests that aren't as wild as me, they have to write down what they're going to say. They have to agree and sign the piece of paper to say that that's what they're going to say. And they are told if they deviate from that list, they will not be on Fox again. And that's why you're feeling, viewers are feeling that change in Fox because it's starting to permeate through. That's why we're starting to learn about Newsmax TV and One American News and exactly. The Blaze and and uh, yeah, it's. I found myself. Hey, I didn't realize I had Newsmax, and I started flipping it on. And I just can't tolerate Juan Williams and Marie Harf and and Jessica Tarloff and all those. Hey, fair and balanced. That's okay, fair and balanced. Donna but, Brazil. Yeah, Donna Brazil. You know, you you've got you've got so much fair and balanced. We're so worried about being fair and mm-hmm. balanced that you just let that BS. Go out to the people who want to hear the truth. Right. And what, what's wrong with having someone, I don't mean necessarily like myself, but someone like me on, what's wrong with having me on and allowing the viewer with the intelligence they have to make their own decision? Why does one of the Murdoch sons have to, I think it's actually very insulting to the viewer, to suggest the viewer doesn't have their own intelligence to work out whether that's a crazy woman from the UK or maybe she's got a point. You know, credit viewers with intelligence, for goodness sake. But that's precisely what Fox has done. And and I think the back thing that people won't know that don't necessarily work in this kind of media industry is once you make producers, people that help the presenter, very, very nervous and full of anxiety at all times, they book less interesting people. They become more cautious. The content has to become more cautious. And and we narrow the sphere of the things we're allowed to say. And that's why you see Tucker and Hannity and others pretending to have arguments in a very narrow spectrum because we have made that Overton window of the things you're allowed to say so very small. And now you see now you see instead of Tucker and Hannity, you see the guys who are getting the closest to what we think is Greg Gutfeld and uh, Jesse Waters. Yeah. Because well, they're kind of they're, killing they're all the, the spontaneity out of this, too. It's like, come on, you know, life is spon- spontaneous. Right. We want to see something that's not scripted Some, all the time. Yes, but it's nervous. The this guests is, are this nervous. is how America became great, is one person feeding off another person's idea, and, hey, something just pops out of your head and yes. go, well, that's probably stupid. And someone else says, no, oh, maybe that you're onto something. Yeah. And we're, we're taking that out, and people yes. don't realize they're trying to – Form us into the, you know, the, the, what's the, what's the movie? The Stepford Wives. They're trying to make us all perfect little Americans that don't have our own lives anymore. Exactly. And the thing with guests is, as with me being in studio right now, there's no script, right? Right. Whereas Tucker now, look, watch it, watch it, watch it with a different eye. Watch how much of Tucker is now scripted. You can see him read. Watch where the, where is the spontaneity now? Where's the crazy guest that might send it in a funny direction? Tucker has to haul it back in. That can't happen because the guest at home has their sheet that they know they're not allowed to deviate from. Tucker knows he can't change from the script, which has been approved by some 20-year-old lefty, well, centre ground. And you see, that's the lack of spontaneity. And that's why your show and shows like this are so important because they remain some sort of reservoir of truth where you trust your audience to 
decide for themselves. They might hate what you say, but you don't mind that. You don't, you're not exactly. asking them to agree with you. Nope. Nope. I say, hey, and I, and I always say, hey, listen to what I say. Look, look at what you see on TV, on CNN and the PMS, NBC and all these things. And then stop and think about it. Does this make sense? Because if you have a logically thinking brain, you can make decisions for yourself. You don't have to have someone flash a, a Biden commercial on there to to tell you that we're going to do it together. How are we going to do it? We're going to do it together. That's the that's his whole message. We're going to do it together. Well, how are you going to do that? We're going to rebuild this economy. How? You didn't do it when you were uh, when you were vice president or when you were senator or all these years, but we're gonna do it together. You know, there's just hey, does that make any sense? What he just said? No. Okay. It's cruel. I I think the whole running of Biden is a cruel thing, and mm. and I don't put it out of my realm of possibility that during my uh, my time here in the states, I want to find Biden's daughter, and I want to level at her. What exactly does she think she's doing? Letting her father, who I think is poorly and, uh, you know, brain injury and brain damage is not fun. He clearly lacks um, memory. And I feel really sorry for the guy. Mm. And I feel like it's not him that I think is terrible or whatever. I think it's the people around him in a campaign willing to put up a gentleman who is clearly should be being having a nice time being looked after. They're putting him up to run as a front man for the extreme left. I think that's despicable by he's, the daughter. I really do. I, I mean, he's walking around Jacob Blake's, you know, place today, the Jake, the shooting where Jacob Blake was shot. Huh? And they just came out with a headline as I was leaving my uh, room. It said, uh, this will be uh, Biden. And today is really, you know, a, a listening tour for Biden, a listening moment. Yeah, because the poor guy can't open his mouth because they don't know what's going to come out. And so they're calling it a listening moment. I mean, what's how... It? How sad is that? It is. What do you, what's your opinion going to be on? You think they're going to find a way to get out of the debates? Yeah, front and really. Up. Yeah. You don't think he's going to debate? No. Hmm. I couldn't. What would you risk him? No. No, I wouldn't Ooh. do it. No, I wouldn't so either. Day, I wouldn't either. But would you have? You had twenty three people that wanted to be president, and most of them could put two sentences together. Yeah, I would say on the day the plane doesn't fly, the bus gets crashed, his car has a something. Something happens. Something very, very surprising happens, and Kamala stands in. All right. So you're you're, you're anticipating no debates. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. It's too big a risk unless he can, unless he's allowed to read. Well, the fact of the matter is, everybody they had what twenty three. I don't remember how many candidates there were now, but none of those people were electable. Katie, none of them really were. This was the best they had. As a guy with you know, Alzheimer's, dementia, whatever he's got, this was the best the Democrat Party has. Um, and they threw, you know, obviously Kamala in there. Uh, as his running mate, maybe she'll be the one that actually runs the country if they actually win. Um, and yes. she's and she's a train wreck as it is. So I guess that's the plan is to stick Bernie in as the front man, switch him out to Kamala, and then you allow... You mean Biden. Uh, sorry, yeah, Biden, stick Biden. It's the other old white man. Yeah, yeah, true. Stick stick uh, Biden in, well, hope you know, that he gets it, and then and then switch him out, and then let the Bernie side, the ill hands, the uh, Rashida Taliban, uh, AOC, you know, take it to the hard left. Well, you got a... You gotta, Kamala made her way to the top by getting amongst Willie Brown. Yes, yeah, sniff and sniff and blow. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> Joe it's, and the Ho. It's Joe and the Ho. I was sniff the first to actually to come her. up with that slogan, by the way. So yeah, it was either well, it was either going to be for the I've vice seen president it on a big publicity thing, Joe right. and the Ho. Well, it was either going to be Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris. So it was either the Navajo or the California Ho. And we got the California Ho. Correct. Correct. I really don't. I what really bugs me about her mm. is this. Whoa, I'm so fun and chitty chatty. That exactly. It's so fraudulent. I can, 
I know, oh, it so. makes me prickle because it's, it's so inauthentic. Hey, guys. What? I know. She <laughs> she tries to be she tries to be so so friendly. casual and friendly. I know. All that. And it's it's, it's so, so cringe. I know. My wife and I sit there and watch watch on TV. And just go. I can't even stand her. She's almost as she's her voice is almost worse than Hillary's now, which is saying something. It's, it's, she reminds me of the old guy with like the smelly trousers, smelly pants in a supermarket <laughs> that's buying too many sweeties, and you think, "What's he up to?" It's like that. I look at Kamala Harris and she's like, "Man, mm, what a smelly great analogy man with smelly pants." Hey, so so let's have some fun yes. the, with the rest of the time we Can- have. Can I dive into a topic? Like, yes, make okay. it personal. All right, very personal. Um, so I always always go rounds with my my English mom, God rest her soul, about the royal family. She thought the royal family was so great, and I'd say, Mom, they're a bunch of freeloaders. She go, Don't talk about the royal family like that. And I said, Well, Mom, what have they ever done that's significant? Well, that's besides the point. <laughs> where she couldn't name anything that of importance that they'd actually done. Let's talk about Prince Andrew. Is he going to be uh, locked up in the London Tower anytime soon? <laughs> so first up. Yes, you will have some respect, son, for the Queen. Ah, 72 years serving a country without deviation. I will give my life, no matter how long or short, to the service of my country. Oh, come on. And she really has. My mom would be proud of you, Katie. Have some respect for the Queen, thank you. Otherwise, we will end up not speaking. But yes, uh, Prince Andrew is obviously a loser. Uh, Clearly, uh, I mean, and allegedly has been involved with a massive paedophile ring. And his defence for why he was foot pictured with his arm around a very young looking girl who said that he sweated on her and dripped. He doesn't sweat, Katie. He doesn't sweat. His (laughs) defence was that I don't don't sweat. I mean, is that really going to stand up? I sweat. I sweat like a horse. Yeah, me too. Right. So we're sweaters. Exactly. Good, every good Republican is a sweater. We're like yeah. cardigans. We like I was to, on the gun like range the other day. The gun nearly fell out of my hand. I was that sweaty. Really? Yeah. So Prince Andrew is clearly lying because I sweat a lot. There's Sounds like you're, a, you're due for a code red. But let me tell you, it's not Prince Andrew I'm that bothered about, even though he's clearly a crazy, sweaty, smelly guy that buys too many sweeties. Pedophile. In the, in the store. You know what I'm saying, Kamala. Um, the real problem is Sparkle Pants, mm. Meghan Markle, grade A list, Biatch, who came and stole my favourite prince. Mm. She's the freaky one. Let me tell you something about her. Prince Harry used to be the best of us, right? Well, he did show off the royal jewels in Vegas. Oh, exactly. Fabulous. Okay. So he's, he was like rough around the edges, would turn up in Vegas naked with a bevy of beauties balanced on his balls. I mean, just brilliant. <laughs> Flew Apache helicopters, camouflage. Uh, brilliant. Love him. And then along came the Biatch from LA. Stole our prince from us. And you know what she did on the first date? I don't know if you remember as Americans because you didn't no, follow it that closely. Yeah. Sorry. No respect for the royal family. Nope. Disgusting. <laughs> you and your bikes. Um, that's what all Democrat ladies are, I suppose. Uh, anywho, the, watching those two boys follow behind their mother's coffin. Uh, every mother feels for those boys. I still do. I love Harry for that. Um, on their first date, Meghan Markle wore the perfume of Lady Princess Diana. Was that to was that to put him in a trance? So that the boy that misses his mum has wanted to be loved all his life, who missed the care and attention of a mother, had the recollection at a some deep, visceral level of his mother, and she did that. Ugh, gives me the scary. Ugh, if someone tried that trick, with my son. Oh, gives me the willies. Let's talk about Biden. Let's talk about Biden. First up now, he has a plan to safely reopen schools. And surprise, surprise, it's going to cost billions of dollars. How many billions, Joe? The nation's superintendents of schools 
have estimated that they'll need at least $200 billion to support K through 12 schools throughout the year for safe reopening. Democratic leaders are ready to get this done. They've already proposed this legislation. Mr. President, where are you? Where are you? Why aren't you working on this? Where are you, Joe? Yeah, $200 billion. That's like, uh, that's the rounding error in Trump's checkbook. And you think he's worried about that? Yeah, I'd love to do is just wait till someone goes to bed at night and it's all dark and they're asleep and just play that. Where are you? Where are you? Into their bedroom. Sounds kind of creepy, doesn't it? It does sound creepy. Yeah. You know, I just, he's a crazy guy though. They, they just want cash for everything, don't they? They want yep, cash for COVID, cash for That's what Democrats lockdown. do. They just want, hey, it doesn't matter what we do, but we want two trillion, not one trillion. Yeah. Well, where are you coming up with that number? It's just the number we want. And same in New York right now, right? This idea, you know, that they're just going to steal from the white guy to give to the black guy. Like Mm -hmm. in any way, like this Robin Hood figure that that's going to in any way make sense. Let's take from these guys and give to you. That's not the equality that black families need. They need a way of getting a skill, earning an income, you know, jobs that matter, pride that they want. They want to work hard. They don't want to be given stuff. I think that's really disrespectful. You know, they want to work. We all want to work. Yep. So uh, I I agree. I've been I've been preaching that. Hey, you know you don't want the government hands hand no. stuff out to you because then you become you become idle. You get you're dependent on them. And that's what furlough was so harmful as well. I wish furlough had never happened. I wish no one had received any payments for the shutdown for Corona. That we'd all had a harder time. I, I certainly didn't take any. I'm sure good hard workers didn't take any. I think one of the good things about lockdown and furlough is it allowed employers to work out exactly who they weren't going to have back. Because if you sat and were idle during furlough and you thought it was a paid holiday, don't bother coming back. And that's certainly my uh, my view as well. Yeah, Don and I have a place up in uh, Mammoth Lakes and there's stickers all over the place. Please don't feed our bears. And I say, hey, does this mean that they're discriminating against bears? No, they don't want them. They don't want them to get dependent on people feeding them, and that's exactly what Democrats want to do. Is they want people to be dependent on them feeding them, then they've got control of you. Oh, so much! I the first thing I did when I got to LA is go to Skid Row, you know, and I suggest to any commentator or any radio host or anyone sat in the studio, you know, pimping themselves out for Fox or CNN, go spend a, a few hours on Skid Row, and and you'll see what dependency is. You can't move one meter down a sidewalk without a body or a person or human feces or i mean that place is now exploded and that that's the epitome i think of dependence isn't mm-hmm. it you know they're, yep. they're, they're, they're not bad people they're just utterly dependent and we need to find we need to find a solution to that and and respecting their rights and the hipaa laws and all that stuff isn't so it? It, that's not it that's not it we've hey we tried it that way been tried over and over and it's failed <clears throat> Doing my, doing my Hillary there. Hey, so everyone needs to expect that their kids will not go back to school until Democrats get their way uh, on another monstrous relief package. Uh, Biden seems to think Trump should invite Schumer and Pelosi uh, into the Oval Office so they can bully him for money. Mr. President, that's your job. That's your job. That's what you should be focused on now. Getting our kids back to school safely. Keeping schools safely able to remain open once they stay once they open not whipping up fear and division not inciting violence in our streets get off twitter and start talking to the congressional leaders in both parties invite them to the oval office the oval office this is the thing about 
Democrats and the DNC. It was so dull. I watched the whole thing because I was in quarantine in Barbados trying to break into this country because British people aren't allowed here. I'm the only Brit, I think, that got here. Uh, It's that the DNC are so boring. And, you know, watching the DNC was about as excitable as Nancy Pelosi's face. And Nancy Pelosi's face has been frozen in time for a very long time now. I say that when Nancy Pelosi cries, tears come out from behind her ears. (laughs) But um, they're so boring. It, they, you hear that clip and like, the life goes out of me. You know what I mean? I feel my limbs go down. Like I want to just lie on the table. Exactly. That's well, what Biden wants to do too. Well, when you looked at the production quality of the DNC versus the RNC, RNC. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, you know, Joe Biden gets done with his, I mean, Trump finishes his speech. There's like a million dollars worth of fireworks goes up in the air, right? Like Live Trump audience. in the yeah, air. Right, right, Trump in the air and the fireworks. <laughs> Joe Biden finishes his speech and like a couple streamers from the 99 cent store pop out. I know, right? I mean, there was like no production quality at the front. But wait a minute, don't they own Hollywood and all this production? I know. The front end of the DNC. Did you watch the front end of the DNC? Uh, I watched the whole thing. So they had had terribly tragic kids singing some sort of national anthem, but in a way that was not necessarily resembled the national anthem. And I was watching it thinking, goodness me, those are the ugliest looking kids I've ever seen. So, you know, Democrats, the point is, have really ugly kids and Republican kids are just much better looking. Exactly. And of course, the most important thing was that there was a mixture of different color kids. Oh, wasn't that beautiful? Didn't didn't matter what their message was. It was just make sure you have, wait, we need need more black people on, on... on screen than white people. Yeah, if we don't have some disabled lesbians, we're not running the DNC. Exactly. I do not understand, but I stand. I apologize for being white. And uh, let's see here. So <laughs> now that the media is, I want to get some more comments on you on uh, on what's going on now. Now, now that the media is finally getting tired of the violence in our cities, uh, they should have been. Uh, reporters are asking Joe what to do right now to stop it if he were president. What I'd be doing is I'd be bringing people together in the White House right now. I'd be having that police commission set up. I'd have law enforcement at the table. I'd have the community at the table. I'd have people and saying, how do we get through this? What do we do to deal with this? Because I believe the vast majority of the community at writ large, as well as law enforcement, want to straighten things out, not inflame things. But this president keeps throwing gasoline in the fire. You know, we can wait for permission and that time is over. We need to take it. And what people are doing is taking it. They're not waiting for some old man to say, oh, let's all go to the White House. We are having massive Trump uh, rallies going into Portland. This huge miles and miles of trucks. I stood on the corner of Glendola in California the other day for another Trump rally. Huge numbers of people. So exciting. So many trucks. People showing their support. You know, these big boat flotillas. There's one coming up in a couple of days that I'm missing. Um, uh, that's to me what we're bringing. People are seeing, I'm not going to wait for someone to tell us. I'm going to show that we want our country back. And personally, um, this is my own view, someone like Kyle Rittenhouse, who just decides I'm going to try my best to try and defend things. I stand with Kyle. I think, uh, you know, we need more people who are prepared to stand up. And one of the joyous things I found at the gun range the other day was that all the gun cabinets are empty because they're all sold out. Uh, They don't have much ammunition left because they've all sold out. And I tell you, when the mm, hits the fan, Americans prepare. And that's why we love your constitution. That's why I'm still a fully signed up member of the NRA and why I have a sticker in my car that says guns don't kill people, uh, but I'm perfectly willing to. Because it's time to make a stand. It's time to pick a side. It's time to stop asking permission. It's time to show where you stand. 
both Scott and I are uh, are card carrying uh, CCW carriers. And CCW, yes, we're allowed to carry. So don't show off. I'm allowed <laughs> I'm to carry sorry, a hand Katie. sanitizer where I can. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, so we don't want we don't want to do that. How, we're almost out of time. How do we want to wrap? wrap uh, this I up? want to know, Katie. Who do you th- what do you think is going to happen in November? Just just hit me. What do you think is going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Number one, I think I'm not going to leave the country until the big man gets back into office because I will never forgive myself. So I'm leaving it all on the road. Uh, what's going to happen is brilliant Americans are going to remember that the things that matter to us most are faith, our family, our freedom, and we are going to leave the left with their tissues, their issues and their tears and we are going to fight for our family for our faith we're going to stand up for our freedoms and we are going to get damn well four more years thank wow. you wow i can't uh can't do any better than that ed i know exactly either yeah. can i so hey we're all out of time for this uh episode of the main event katie hopkins thanks for joining us again thank you for having and me. since you'll be here until november 3rd at least coming to your house to stay exactly with your wife <laughs> i will uh, I, actually she probably would uh welcome that um, so we'll, uh, but we'll talk about that while we're on vacation. <laughs> hey, next week uh, Scott will be manning the microphone while uh, Don and I are seeing the country with our our big truck and our big American flag and our big Trump flag flying from it. So uh, everybody out there, thanks for listening to the main event. And uh, Scott will be back with you again next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number nine nine two one, California DRE ID number one zero one two six five eight, Arizona MLO license number zero nine two six four three nine, Branch NMLS ID number one eight four one seven eight two, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number three one nine nine, Arizona license number zero nine two five eight three seven, Equal Housing Opportunity.